We're going to start with scripture. I'm going to share from the book of John. And then we are moving towards worship and water baptism today. We have a bunch of friends getting baptized in water today. And so that's going to be, it's going to be a huge moment of, of celebration. And so again, I want to welcome you to Life Center. If I haven't met you, my name is Tyler. We're glad that you're here. What's going to be fun is to watch people walk through the doors the next few minutes going, did I miss the time? What's, what's going on? Uh, so we're going we're gonna to jump right in uh, to the message. We are now in part six of a series that we've entitled Reasons to Believe. Can you say reasons, reasons. to believe? We've spent the last number of weeks looking at the book of John where John records seven specific miracles. We know Jesus did more than seven, but seven specific miracles that he calls signs. And at the end of John's gospel in chapter 20, he says this, these signs have been written, they've been kind of pinned out for one specific purpose, that, that we would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and that by believing in him, we would have life in his name. So these signs are pointing us to greater belief in something about this person named Jesus. And so today we're going to continue on. If you're taking notes, I'd love for you to write this message title down. I want to talk for the next few moments about help me see. Help me see. Uh, have you ever been guilty of assuming that you see clearly only to find out that you did not see clearly? Anybody else ever been there? One of the part-time jobs that I had when I was in college, I parked cars. I was a valet parker. Now, I have to say that because anytime I've said that without saying parked cars first, people hear me say that I was ballet and I was never in the ballet. I valeted, okay? So a lot, lot of difference there. But this was the late 90s, early 2000s, and at that time, uh, backup cameras were kind of a, a rare luxury in cars. And so each day, my, my job, my role was to get people's car, take it, park it. We were trained how to back cars in, you know, using the mirrors and kind of looking over, uh, looking over your shoulder. But this one day, this one afternoon, I lucked out because I had a very nice luxury car that I had to park. And this luxury car had a backup camera, which by the way, my 1990 Nissan pickup truck did not have. And so I'm, I'm driving this car kind of around the lot. I take a couple of extra laps just because, you know, I, as a college student, I, I don't get to drive cars like this very often. I go to back the car in, and, and I'm looking in this beautiful rear view backup camera screen, and I'm thinking, man, this, this is awesome. I can see everything. And I'm just there kind of backing up, backing up, backing up. I'm looking at the screen, and all of a sudden the car stops. Not because I use the brakes. And I'm trying to figure out what just happened. I look up in the rear view mirror and over my shoulder and I, I see a cement post that I did not see in the backup camera. How many know that's a tough conversation to have with your boss as a college student? Um, thankfully, our company had insurance for things like that. But I, I learned a lesson that I don't always see as clearly as I think I see. And just kind of spoiler alert here, today this is going to be one of those messages that it's going to be very easy for many of us to go, man, this would be a great message for so-and-so. Man, you know, you know who I wish was here to hear this message is, is 
so-and-so. And this, this could easily be one of those messages. Why? Because many of us, we have this assumption that we see clearly. It's funny, when it comes to the idea of sight, we have a lot of metaphors in our culture that we use. You've no doubt used one of these metaphors at some point. Uh, uh, maybe you've, you've said this, they are as blind as a... Okay, so you've said it. There's blind as a bat. Or maybe you've said this, I'm blind without my glasses. Anybody ever said that about yourself? I'm blind without my glasses. What's funny, I, I recently went in to get my eyes checked. And the reason for this is uh, I thought we had issues on all of our screens around here and at home. Um, in fact, I was in a few meetings and I, I found myself kind of standing up, walking a little bit closer to, to a screen where I was trying to read information off and I said to somebody, you know, our team should probably look at this screen because it's a little bit fuzzy and blurry and people are looking at me like, Tyler, you're crazy. And I went into the eye doctor and, and he gave me some devastating news. He looked at me and said, Tyler, you're getting older. And I said, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You know, I said, it's like, how, how dare you? And he goes, no, 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 Tyler, what, what you need, there, there's some correction that needs to take place. And all of a sudden, you know, he goes through all the processes. And it was like, high def. I, I put these on, and I'm like, wow. I, I did, in fact, I, I spent the last year not even knowing there was people in the room, you know, so it's good to see you guys. You know, it, it, was, a, it was an interesting moment because I think many of us, when we think about that illustration, because now, you know, I'm, I'm wearing glasses, it's, it's kind of helping clarify things. Many people approach this idea of following Jesus in a very similar matter to that. Because here's what I realized when I went to the eye doctor. I, I needed some new glasses to help improve the sight that I already had. Hear, hear me. I wasn't actually blind, I just needed, needed some corrective lenses. And many people, I think, when they engage with this idea of following Jesus, I think many people are tempted to look at the idea of following Jesus like that. I, I just need some help. I, I can see, I, I just, I need some improvement. I, I need some corrective lenses. And I think especially in the modern time and the modern culture that we live within, we're convinced, many of us, that, that we see accurately. We have access to 24-7 news, which, by the way, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I think I know where I land on that, but uh, we, we have access to more information than we know what to do with. Not only that, we have instant connection to, to global realities, and that, that leads us to this sense of, well, Tyler, I see the world clearly. I see everything as, as clear as it is. And again, Jesus, as we're going to see here in the book of John chapter 9, we're, we're going to lean in with some dynamics and some realities today because what if God wants to help us see some things that we can't see? See, the challenge with all of those dynamics I just talked about is, is it creates this sense that we see things as though they truly are, but, but what if we actually need help to see? In John chapter 8, 
Jesus makes this statement. Earlier this year, we, we walked through all of the I am statements that Jesus makes. In John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus makes this statement during one of the feasts taking place in Jerusalem. He says this, I am the light of the world. Jesus doesn't say, I am a light amongst many lights. Hey, I can come alongside of you and help you see a little bit more clearly. He actually says something. I am the light of the world. And then he goes on to say, anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. See, this, this matters because what this implies is if we have Jesus, we actually will find the ability to see. But if we don't have Jesus, we actually will remain in darkness. In a moment, we're going to read a story about a man who was actually born blind. In other words, the only reality he actually knew was darkness. His entire life, darkness. You see, today, I think it's important that we understand we all have a choice. We have a choice. Number one, we can either recognize our blindness and receive sight, or we can remain convinced that we see clearly and reject sight. And this is a tension that, that we live within because, again, many of us today, maybe we walk through these doors, maybe we tune in online and we go, Tyler, I don't know what you're talking about. I see fine. I, I see everything as clearly as clear as possible. But again, in this story, we're, we're going to learn some things about, about Jesus and about who he is as the light of the world. And so again, every single person in this place, we have a choice. We can recognize this dynamic of blindness in our lives, or we can choose to reject that idea and remain convinced that we see clearly, but in doing that, we will continue on in a blind state. So let, let, let me ask this question for us to consider over the next couple of minutes that we have. What does God want you to see clearly that you cannot see right now? Look with me to, to John chapter 9. John chapter 9, we're going to read a good portion of this chapter. And by the way, the, the reason why we, we take time to open this book and look into these words is because the only authority that anybody who stands on the stage has is from this. We believe that this word is alive and active. We believe it's authoritative over our lives. It points us not to just information about Jesus, but it actually leads us to believe in who Jesus is. John chapter 9, starting verse 1, it says this. As he, speaking of Jesus, was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. Again, the only reality this man has ever known is darkness. A man born blind. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? What's interesting, the, the disciples wanted to get into a theological debate. Jesus just wanted to help the man. Who, who, who sinned? Whose fault is this? And Jesus gives us an important theological truth. Not all sickness is a result of sin. 
But a number of weeks ago, we saw Jesus warn a man that he healed, and he said, stop sinning so that your condition doesn't get worse. So we know that sometimes sickness is a byproduct of sin, but other times it's not. We live in a fallen, broken world. Jesus said, neither this man or his parents sinned. This came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it's still day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light. Can you say light? I am the light of the world. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. Can we just let that sink in for a minute? You ever had God maybe show up and do something you weren't expecting? This would be one of those moments, right? And I'm guessing at this point, like after the fact, he was probably glad that he couldn't see Jesus doing what he was about to do. Because Jesus, he, he spits in the dust, in the dirt, and he makes mud. And by the way, this is clearly a drawback to Genesis chapter 2 where the hands of God reached into the dust of the earth and formed and shaped mankind. That same God with that same power is now reaching into the dust of the ground and not just correcting the vision, but recreating the vision. Jesus spits, makes the mud, And notice that he spread the mud on his eyes. Some of us, we get agitated when we get a little speck of dust in our eyes. Imagine a mud pie on your eyeball for a second. Then verse 7, go, Jesus told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam, the pool was all the way down at the bottom of the city of David, so he had to leave the temple area, make a journey down, which would have taken some time and effort, and imagine the agitation that you're feeling in your eyes and the motivation you would feel to get that out of your eyes. And the man, what does he do? He goes. He left, washed, and came back seeing. His neighbor and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, isn't this the one who used to sit begging? Some said, he's the one. Others were saying, no, he just looks like that guy. But he kept saying, I am the one. I'm the one. You want to know one of my prayers for Life Center is that we continue to have so many people come through our ministries and people are like, are, are you the same person who used to? Aren't you the guy? And people are like, no, no, no. Like, clearly that's not them. And No, but our testimony is this. I'm that person. Like, God's grace has met me. God's grace has transformed me. I'm a new creation because of Christ. I'm the one, he said. So they asked him, then how were your eyes open? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and told me, go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Where is he, they asked. I don't know, he said. And then they brought the man who used to be blind. I love that. The man who used to be blind to the Pharisees, because the religious people always have questions. And so the Pharisees, they begin 
round one of three or four rounds of interrogations that they're going to get to the bottom of this because clearly this Jesus guy is doing some stuff that ought not be done. Why do we say that? Well, verse 14, the day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. Again, the Pharisees, although they were committed to their religious activity, they they piled rules and regulations on top of what God had asked, and they were more committed to those than the actual work of God. God wanted to bring healing to his people. God wanted to bring transformation to his people. According to the covenant that God made with Abraham, through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. But the Pharisees are like, well, if he's healing on the Sabbath, clearly he is not from God. Skip down a couple of verses. Verse 18, the Jews did not believe this about the man that he was blind and received his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight. They asked them, is this your son, the one you say was born blind? How then does he now see? Mom and dad, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he now sees. And we don't know how or who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid. Can you say afraid? Fear is a powerful motivator. This is why we we have to be careful, brothers and sisters, what we put into our lives. Because if you're putting things that are continually cultivating fear, it's not going to lead you to the right spot. we got to understand, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind, according to the New Testament. And yet some of us, maybe it's because of the 24-7 news cycle or whatever else is going on in our world, we are almost addicted to bringing fear into our lives. And because of fear, look at, look at what happens. His, his parents said these things, not because they didn't know their son was healed. They said these things because they were afraid of the Jews, since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed Jesus as the Messiah, they would be banned from the synagogue. They'd be kicked out, which had not only religious implications, but social implications, financial implications. Your life would be ruined. This is why his parents said, he's of age, ask him. So a second time, they summoned the man who had been born blind and told him, give glory to God. We know that this man named Jesus is a sinner. He answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Friends, that is a testimony. And there's going to be dynamics that you will face in your life where people will push back against you, push back against the idea of Jesus while Jesus, like, yeah, he was a good teacher, but he's not actually God. Or, oh, you believe in that old, outdated thing called the Bible? No, that's been disproven. Oh, you like the church? Man, the church is just an organized this and that. And and people will push back. But here's one antidote to push back, the power of a personal testimony. When you know that you were actually blind. You you didn't need just a little corrective lens. You needed sight because all you knew was darkness before. 
And when the light of the world shows up in your life and everything changes, it doesn't matter who opposes you, there's a conviction. I know one thing, I was blind and now I see. Now I see. Then they asked him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Verse 27, I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? Come on, you got to love somebody with a little bit of sarcasm. I call that spirit-led sarcasm. They ridiculed him. You're this man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. This is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he's from, and yet he opened my eyes. You, you claim to, to follow Moses, but, but you miss it. Like Moses pointed to Jesus. He's the fulfillment. He's everything we've been looking for, and you don't get it. Skip down to verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown this man out of the synagogue. And when he found him, he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? This is one of Jesus' favorite titles to describe himself. It's pulled from the book of Daniel. Who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus answered, you have seen him. Oh, come on. Hours before, the only thing he had ever seen was darkness. Jesus is now standing in front of him. Do, do you believe in the Son of Man? And he's like, where is he? I'll, I'll believe in him. You've seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. And Jesus said, I've come into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you, would, you wouldn't have sin. But that you say we see your sin remains. It's interesting, Jesus here is making this distinction for those of us who, who understand our need to see, and we, we realize our own blindness. Guess what? There's hope. But for those of us who are convinced, man, I see just fine, Tyler. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know why you're so worked up today. The Huskies won. Come on, get over it, Tyler. You see, this, this matters because if we walk through life assuming we see so clearly, friends, we will remain blind. It's not my words, that's, that's Jesus' words. And if you notice, he, Jesus at the very end, he goes into this idea of judgment. Now, earlier in John chapter 3, verse 16, we read that Jesus made this statement, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Verse 17 continues, for God didn't send his son into the world to what? Condemn the world but to save the world. See, here's the point. Jesus is the light that will cause people to see. He came to save the world, not judge the world. Yet, here's the point, to reject the light 
Convinced that you don't need the light brings judgment on yourself as you continue in blindness. And today, there's a couple of ways that we can remain in blindness. One way that some of us, we, we remain in blindness is rebellion. Can you say rebellion? But there's another way to remain in blindness, and that's religion. Dead religion. That's Jesus' scathing rebuke of the Pharisees, by the way, in this chapter, is, is they were using religion to think they were good. We see clearly, what are you talking about, Jesus? Are you, are you calling us blind? And some of us today, we're, we're maybe sitting here a little bit tense going, Tyler, are you calling me blind? I'm not calling anybody blind. I'm inviting us to open up our hearts to what the Spirit says and says, Lord, is there any area that I'm not seeing clearly? Because understand, we can convince ourselves that we get to make all the rules. That's called rebellion. We can convince ourselves, I get to make the rules, and so I'm good. I'm not blind. So the Bible calls some things out of bounds, and we're like, well, no, no, no. I mean, that's just, that was then. I, I, I have my own set of rules. That's rebellion. Let's call it what it is. And rebellion will lead us to a place of greater blindness, not less blindness. But also, an equally dangerous thing is not the statement, I get to make all the rules. An equally dangerous statement is this, we can convince ourselves that we follow all the rules. Therefore, I'm good. I'm good. I attend church, I serve, I give, I do all these things. I'm good. I prayed the prayer once, I'm good. I'm good. Yet we have to bring ourselves to this place where we invite the Holy Spirit to say, is there any area in me that I'm not seeing clearly? A few thoughts for you today. Number one is this. You can't see without light. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And this is a true reality when it comes to the physical scene, but it's also a very true reality when it comes to our spiritual scene. You cannot see without light. Notice, it's, it's not just hard to see, it's impossible to see without light. Charles Spurgeon once said this, it's not our littleness that hinders Christ, but our bigness. It's not our weakness that hinders Christ, it's our strength. It's not our darkness that hinders Christ, it's our supposed light that holds back his hand. What this means, the good news, it's not the dirt or the mess or the flaws or the fractures in your life that holds Jesus back. In fact, it's, it's the opposite. It's the assumption as we're standing in the trash heap of sin going, what are you talking about a mess, Jesus? I see things clearly. I don't see any mess around here. And Jesus, as the light of the world, will come and will offer, do you, do you want to see? Do you want to see? We cannot see without light, and Jesus is the light of the world. Friends, this is the challenge of sin. What does sin do? It blinds us. See, much like this man who was born blind, all of us, we were born with a sinful nature. In other words, until we put our trust in Christ, we only have one outcome, and that is to live 
in darkness. So if you have not put your trust in Christ purely, fully on him, understand that the call to Christianity is not get your sight a little bit better through some of your own efforts. We cannot see without the light of the world. You see, sin, it blinds us, but it, it does something even more dangerous or insidious than that because sin, it not only blinds us, it convinces us that we see right. So while I'm blind, I'm assuming, man, I see just fine. What are you talking about blindness? What are you talking about that, that I need to, to see differently? This is the danger of sin. This is what sin does. And the problem with sin, friends, it's not just your activity. It's not just the things that you didn't do that you should have done or the things that you shouldn't have done that you ended up doing. It's actually in the fabric of our humanity, and there's only one solution to it. His name is Jesus, and he lived the life you couldn't live. He died the death we all should have died, and I have good news. He rose again, and he's alive today. He is the light of the world. We can't see without light. But second, understand this. Only people who recognize their blindness long for sight. So for those of us who are maybe tempted today to kind of cross our arms and go, man, I wish so-and-so was here. For those of us who are tempted to say, well, yeah, Tyler, you know, I, I raised my hand. I prayed the prayer a couple of weeks ago. I, I'm good. Well, you're good. That, that's saving faith. But, but again, is there any area in our lives where God wants to bring clarity where we're walking in blindness? It's the only people who recognize their blindness. They, they long for sight. Have you noticed we don't long for things that we are convinced we have no need of? There's not been one moment in my lifetime that I've longed for country music. I love you, okay? Like, <laughs> not, not one moment. Why? Because I'm convinced. I don't need it. It's evidence of the total depravity of mankind. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> Only people who understand they're blind long for sight. And so today, if you're walking in going, I, I see fine. I don't know what you're talking about, Tyler. Understand, we don't just need sight correction we need sight recreated so those same hands in genesis chapter 2 that reached down into the dust of the earth and formed mankind years and years later reach down into the dust with some saliva mixes it together puts it on some eyes that cannot see and says go wash see it wasn't sight correction friends it was sight recreation and that's what we need. See, this man who was born blind, he received first physical sight, but that physical sight led him to a place where the eyes of his heart, as the Apostle Paul talks about in the book of Ephesians, were enlightened. He, he saw Jesus, not just physically, friends, he saw Jesus spiritually for who he is. And yet, in contrast, we read about the Pharisees who they are convinced of their spiritual sight. 
You see the response to Jesus? What are, you, what are you talking about? We are disciples of Moses. Here you are trying to correct us? And here's the problem. They're convinced of their spiritual sight, yet they prove to be spiritually blind. They're blind while they try to hold up the things of God while rejecting the move of God in their midst. See, next I want you to understand true sight will lead to confidence and courage regardless of the consequences. I don't know if you notice this, but this man, he, he goes on this progression. And there are some consequences to stand up and say, you know what, it was Jesus, and I believe in him, I follow him. You see, this blind man, he's interrogated multiple times by the crowd, by the Pharisees. The Pharisees then pull his parents in, then they pull him back in. But notice the progression of his faith. I don't know if you caught it. They ask him, who did this? Verse 11, he said, uh, a guy named Jesus. That, that's his first, like, first step is like, I know his name. And guess what? That's, that's where maybe some of us are today. Like, we, we know the name of Jesus, but we haven't yet had that illumination moment where the light of the world opens our heart and eyes. You see, he goes from saying, his name is Jesus, to you know what? He's a prophet. He's sent by God. Now, it's making pretty good progression, but not quite all the way there. He, he then says in verse 27 through 30 that, that he's the one who healed me, and, and I'm his disciple. In other words, he's my rabbi. He's my teacher. He's, he's taken another step, but then it all culminates when Jesus finds the man in verse 35, and he says, do you believe in the Son of Man? And the man says, I, I want to believe. Will you show him to me? And Jesus says, you've seen him. And the man's response, what is it? He, he worships Jesus. What's interesting, the, the man's parents, though they could see their son who was born blind, and now somehow he's able to see, though they could see that, they could not see Jesus with enough clarity to stand up with boldness. Fear gripped them. Well, you look at the man born blind in verse 25. He says, whether or not you have these ideas about Jesus, here's one thing I do know. I was once blind, and now I see. Friends, I want to remind us that public faith in Jesus back then had serious consequences. And I believe with all of my heart, it's having serious consequences today. And I think it's going to grow in the consequence of having a a public faith in Jesus. I'm not talking about the faith where, like, you know, you don't post anything online right now because, like, oh, I don't want them to know I'm in church. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about just in your rhythm. I'm talking about people know that your life is marked by Christ. There, there's serious consequences. And by the way, consequences can be both positive and negative. Do you know that? Let's talk about some of the positive consequences of a public faith in Jesus. Here's some positive ones. Pierce County gets transformed. Why? Because we live as salt and light. That's a public consequence of living out this faith. The, the community around us begins to be transformed. There's some life to the full happening in our lives. There's some hope. There's some joy. There's some, some peace. Those are some of the consequences of having a public faith in Jesus, but there's also some negative consequences. Because to, to have a public faith in Jesus in Tacoma in 2023, guess what? Get ready to be misunderstood. 
Get ready to be labeled. Get ready to be, to be hated by some. The gospel doesn't call us to hate anybody. We're called to love as we've been loved. But, but just be ready. When, when you hold to the truth that I, I was once blind and now I see. See, there, there's some consequences, but understand, in this man, we see a confidence regardless of the consequences. Finally, listen, when you truly see Jesus, you can't help but worship him. I don't know if you caught that, but this progress in this man's faith, it, it brings him to this place of like, oh yeah, it was Jesus. Oh yeah, he's a prophet. Oh yeah, he's, he's my teacher. And it brings him to this place where he goes, you are Savior and you are Lord. And he begins to worship Jesus. When you understand that all you knew was darkness and now you see your only response is going to be worship. But if, if we have this assumption, oh yeah, Jesus has kind of helped me here, helped me there. He, he's kind of been my corrective lenses. You know, Jesus is my co-pilot. He's, he's not your co-pilot, friends. He is the boat itself. Like he, He's the one who brought you to safety. You could not get yourself there. See, the man born blind knew nothing but darkness, but now he sees the light of the world for who he truly is. And if you notice, Jesus doesn't tell him to stop worshiping. Jesus doesn't say, hey, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. I'm just a good teacher. No, 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 don't, don't worship me. No, 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 no. I'm just a man. Jesus actually receives his worship. There's an important theological truth right here. Jesus understands that he's fully God. Why? Because being God himself, he understands there's only one being in the universe that's worthy of our worship, and it's him alone. We're called to worship no one else but God. And yet Jesus receives this worship. Again, we all have a choice, friends. We have a choice. We can recognize that we're blind and through God's grace, the light of the world allows us to receive sight. Or we can continue convinced. We can be certain, we, we remain convinced that we see clearly and in doing so, what do we end up doing? We, we reject sight. We reject sight. I was really young when I put my trust in Jesus. I was in the lower gym here at Life Center. It's in the 1980s. And I remember praying the prayer. I remember feeling the difference on the inside. But about 15 years ago in my life, there was this, this moment where I had a fresh encounter with Jesus. See, about 15 years ago, I, I thought I saw so clearly. I was a young pastor. I had a degree, I, I had a position, I had some theological training. I had answers. I had answers. And it was in that space that God in his grace allowed me to encounter the pure gospel, the good news of Jesus. 
In other words, instead of resting and leaning upon my effort and my earning and all the religious activity that I had done and somehow, like, I deserve to be doing what I'm doing or saying what I'm saying because I know some stuff or I've experienced some stuff, I met the gospel, and what did it do? It brought me to the end of myself. I realized, though I've been following Jesus for a long time, I still had some blindness And my goodness, I didn't just need some corrective lenses, friends. I needed my sight to be recreated. I needed the the hands of the creator to reach in and open up what was blind. And Jesus, what did he do? He met me in that place. He met me in that state. And he lovingly began to renew my sight. And now, every day, I try to live in a place where I say, Lord, help me to see. Help me to see the way you want me to see. Don't, don't let me get to that place where, since I'm convinced, well, I follow all the rules, so I'm good. Or, or no, I get to make the rules because I, I want to basically be in control. See, rejecting both of those things, because why? Both of those things are anti-gospel. The gospel is God has done for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Jesus is the light of the world. And in a moment, collectively, we're going to stand to our feet because we have a lot of brothers and sisters today who are going to publicly declare exactly what we're talking about. Because the moment you step into this baptism tank, it's a public declaration I was once dead in my sin, but I've been raised up to new life. I was blind, and now I see. Come on, anybody remember the the words of that old song, Amazing Grace? Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that, what, saved a wretch. Not not like, uh, you know, I kind of had some issues. Isn't it funny how we try to, like, pretty up our testimony? Uh, You know, I wasn't that bad. I wasn't that blind. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost and now I'm found, was blind and now I see. See, before you came to Christ, it's not like you saw a little bit and then Jesus just kind of helped you see a little bit better. Friends, without Christ, we are blind, we're lost, we're dead. But his grace meets us, and his grace is enough to change everything. And that's what we're going to celebrate. So would you stand to your feet today? The worship team is going to lead us in some songs. Will you pray with me right now? Father, today, I pray that the light of the world would illuminate. Father, I pray for Friends in this room, they feel maybe a million miles away from you. Jesus, I thank you that your grace is enough to meet them right where they're at. And yet the prerequisite to receiving grace is recognizing that we need your grace. See, it's, it's much like the statement, unless we recognize we're blind, we will never long for true sight. So Holy Spirit, will you convict what needs to be convicted in our lives? Would you challenge what needs to be challenged? Will you comfort what needs to be comforted? 
Lord, today I pray that this would be an opportunity for the church to lift our voice and worship, much like the man who was once blind, but now he sees. Let us lift our voice and worship with the same passion that we understand who we once were, but your grace has changed everything. And Lord, I pray that the, the walls of this building will begin to reverberate with the sound of celebration as we celebrate those who are being baptized in water today. God, thank you that you are still bringing people from death to life. You are taking people who were born in blindness and you are causing them to see. And so Jesus, we thank you for it. We celebrate you because of it. In your name we pray, amen, amen. <laughs>